Just remain standing for another moment. Cathedral of Faith, God is good. And all the time. Thanks so much for being here, whether you're in the building, whether you're outside in the amphitheater, if you're in the drive-in at the parking lot, those watching online, different campuses. Thank you for joining us on this very special weekend. And I can say, I can truly say today that there is no one I would rather have speak on our anniversary than the guests that we have with us today. Uh, let me give you a little context. Pastor Dick Burnell came and started a church. He grew up here in San Jose. He started a church back in 1980, and that church became Jubilee Christian Center. And over the next four decades, it was a force for the kingdom here in the Bay Area. God used Pastor Dick Burnell and his wife Carla, not only here in the Bay Area, but all around the world. And, uh, and just Friday, we had the honor of hosting his ordination as bishop. And so to have Pastor Dick here, he was a peer and a buddy to my dad. And then he also was a friend to me anytime I'd see him. He was always so encouraging. I've shared this before, how following in my dad's footsteps that that was, uh, well, I struggled with that for a while of whether I could move into that calling. And every time I would see him, though, he would speak words of faith. I, I warned the people in the first service, if you're feeling down and you wanna stay depressed, don't get around him. <laughs> Because if you rub shoulders with Pastor Dick, he has a way of building faith into you. And he's coming to share with us today his first message as bishop and, and his family's here. What an awesome privilege. Some of his staff that was with him. It's so great to have them here. Give them a great big Cathedral Faith welcome. Yeah. Bishop Dick Burnett. Thank you, Pastor. Hello, everybody. Be seated. Wow. I'm going to take you everywhere with me to introduce me. It's like, who's he talking about? But it's so good to be in this church. By the way, March of 1981, Juanita, we were about three, four months old. We had like 40 people at Briner Hall. Remember that, babe? <clears throat> And this sanctuary was being dedicated. I said, come on, we're going to go. Sat right about halfway up there. Didn't know anybody. Didn't know Kenny, Shirley. Didn't know anybody. Just wanted to come and see what the Lord could do. And I remember as we were dedicating this, we had the pews in those days. And beautiful, brand spanking new. You could still smell the fresh paint carpet, and I remember, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, my mouth is open, and I'm staring at this. And I remember saying to the Lord, if it's possible, could I have something like this someday? <laughs> 17 years later, we had something like this. <laughs> Kenny, in the early days, now, some of you may know my story, but I was not raised in church. My sister, our family, good, good grandma, mama, grandpa, good people, but we weren't church people. I mean, I, you know, I, I ran with hell's angels. I was 
one of their karate instructors, the rodeo, bunch of my dad, you know, doing the rodeo thing and iron workers and, you know, lived a, lived a pretty selfish, sinful life. And then I met this Carla girl. I, I, I asked her to dance one night. She told me no like 11 times. I just don't take no real easy, I guess. And finally she just gave up. And I'll be honest with, with you, I wasn't looking for theology. I was looking for girlfriendology. <laughs> but what I got was, I, I met this Baptist, and she, I mean, she started witnessing to me almost immediately, and we dated for a year. And then Sarah, my daughter, sitting right here. In fact, my family stand up, my sister Juanita, and, and uh, my daughter. I, we started Jubilee in her house, and. Morgan Hill in October, about five of us started what ended up being Jubilee. Of course, Pat and Brian, our worship leaders are here, and I see the Hershey's from Hollister and other friends, but uh, I remember uh, when we, when we, I had no idea what I was doing. I have no church pedigree, none. And yet our church is starting to grow. So I called Kenny, I said, Pastor, can I buy you dinner? Can we go to the Brave Bowl? Well, you remember the Brave Bowl restaurant? Can we go to the Brave Bowl? You gotta be old to remember that. He said, sure, of course, of course he paid because I had no money. <laughs> I ordered a big prime rib, but I had no money. And he just threw his credit card down. I didn't even have a credit card. And I just wore pastor out with, well, I got problems. What do, what do I do with people like this? What do I do with, and he'd just smile and kind of walk me through. And then he took me golfing over here at Almaden. And on the third hole, he said, I usually don't talk to people while we golf, but Dick, would you do me a favor and I'll pay for it. I go, what? He goes, would you take some lessons? <laughs> he said, I know, I know you're an athlete, but you're not a golfer. It's different. And through the years, I remember Kenny doing our Christmas banquet and, and uh, watch, watch. I, don't know, I, I, I met Benny Hinn here. I met Carlton. I met, uh, Sam, I met there's so many people. I, I came and your dad would always invite me to the back room. But Kurt, you were my TV. You, you helped produce our, I, I forgot, you're my camera guy when we did our, our TV show. Stand up, Kurt. He's the only person in a suit and a tie. And I, I, I'm in the back room, I said, oh, I'm wearing a leather jacket. I said, you may, he goes, I'm honoring my dad. He said, my dad always dressed up back in the day. And uh, yes, he did, Kenny was sharp. Kenny and Shirley always looked like a million dollars. And I, but a lot of memories. And Friday night was one of those nights I'll never forget in my life. And, and I'm sitting at home when Steve Muncy said, we're gonna make, you, you've always been our bishop. You're not pastoring, you're our bishop. He goes, let's do this with San Jose. And I'm sitting on the couch and I picked up the phone and I called Ken. I said, Ken, first of all, it's okay to say no. I've said no to friends. I said, you don't have to do this if, it, if it's not gonna work. And he starts laughing. I said, people want to ordain me a bishop. Could, could we do it at cathedral? Absolutely. And he turned me on to Irene and, and Vaughn and Rick, and Friday night just went way better than I could ever dream. And thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. It was, it was uh, and we had Jim Brown's wife, MC Hammer. We had dozens and dozens and dozens of local pastor friends over the years. People flew in from all over the place, and it was, uh, it was, I'm still kind of in 
I'm still kind of in awe what happened. I didn't, I didn't expect it to be that anointed and that powerful. And uh, I'm not, I'm not yet, Car Carla goes, does that mean I'm a bishop's wife? You ever see the movie, The Bishop's Wife? <laughs> right? I said, yeah, you're the bishop's wife. Anyway, let me get, let me get down to business because I've had many, many guest speakers over the years at Jubilee and I always whispered in their ear, blessed are the short winded, they might be invited back. <laughs> Which in most churches means absolutely nothing. It's kind of like that little kid going into the third hour of the service. He goes, daddy, what does enclosing mean? He goes, son, I don't know, but in this church, absolutely nothing. But so don't get too excited if I say an enclosing. It might just be my first closing. I brought some product and just about sold out. Your church is amazing, Ken. They, it was like locusts in a cornfield back there. And, uh, but I do have some more of these. I think it's the best thing. Out of the 20 books I've written, I think it's the best thing. I taught this 25 years in our college and taught this all over the world. God's covenant partners. I had two, two of my closest friends, most of you know who they are because they're famous, read the manuscript and write a forward. Jim Brown, arguably the greatest football player or at least running back in the history of the NFL and legendary movie actor and activist, social activist. Uh, Jim's wife was here Friday night. He passed away recently. Uh, I wish he could have been here, but he... He's in heaven. So Jim wrote something beautiful. And then Smokey Robinson, who I had the privilege of pastoring for many years. Carla, we did a Bible study at his house first Tuesday of every month. And I got to minister to the who's who of Hollywood, lead many to Christ. Many were Jewish, led many to Christ, prayed for the sick, cast devils out of a few. And uh, I said, Smokey, we're playing golf. I said, would you read this manuscript? So he wrote something beautiful. So this, I think we still have some copies out there. It's probably the strongest faith-building thing I've ever preached or written. And here, here's my second best-selling book of all time. What do you do when Lucifer, Jezebel, or Jonah join your team? <laughs> Marry into your family, come to your church, your business. Basically, it's how to identify toxic people who they may look good, smell good, sound good, act good, charm the paint off the walls, but they have an agenda. And it's not God's. And it's not yours. But they will try to make it. And uh, I've had a few experiences. So this isn't just revelation. Some of this was written out of experience. Larry Huggins, who I've known since 1979, I think Larry even preached here at Cathedral way back in the day. We wrote this book called The Real You. Unlocking your spiritual DNA. I think Paul's two greatest revelations is you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, not of the law, and who you are in Christ, who you really are. Not who people say you are, not who your parents think you are, not even who your husband or wife may. It's who Jesus says you are by the Holy Ghost because that's who you are. And then today I'm gonna to spend 20, 25 minutes talking about I hear a sound. It's my signature message. I, I preach this at the largest church, three of the largest churches in the world, Dr. Cho's largest church in Europe, largest church in, in Brazil. And recently I preached this at a church of 14 people in Vacaville. So it doesn't matter how big or small the church is, it's Oral Roberts told me to preach this message around the world but I can only do part one. Uh, part two is also in the book, but I don't have time. 
to get into part two because we're limited by time this morning. So uh, I'll share part one out of this. And I don't even know if we have any more copies. I promised our, where, where's our youth pastor at? Where's here? I promised him some book. Come up here, good looking from Amsterdam. Family, would you stand for a moment? I'm going to ask you to do something. And I'm going to open in 1 Kings chapter 17. And we will segue over to chapter 18. We'll take a peek at Acts chapter 2. We'll wrap it up in Genesis 1. Stretch your hand towards me. I want you to make a confession of your faith. I want you to say this, Lord, if there is anything in our guest speaker that has my name on it, a right now, ready, rudder, rhema, word, that's for me. Over these next 25 minutes, I'm all ears. I hear a sound. Has my name on it? By faith, I receive it in Jesus' name. A high five three or four people. Tell them to get ready. Buckle up. Here we go. You can also, quietly in your prayer time, I had a rough October with a horrendous flu. Wasn't COVID, thank God, but it was, oh, it was rough. I couldn't get rid of this cough, and my wife, who's Miss Holistic, uh, you better go to the doctor. When she says, like, you never go to the doctor. You better go to the doctor. And I, of course, you know, how many men listen to their wives? <laughs> if, if I did, I wouldn't have hired a few people and I'd still have money in the bank, but whatever. <laughs> and so finally, I went last Tuesday, walking pneumonia. And a few people said, oh, you better not go to San Jose. I said, try to stop me. I'm just not going to give anybody a holy hug or a holy kiss. And uh, I found out once you get on antibiotics, you're not contagious. But uh, if, I, if I cough every now and then, that's just I'm getting, I'm on the north side of healing in Jesus' name. And uh, thank you for your prayers. Amen. <laughs> Family, let's start in 1 Kings 17. Let me read a little bit and then talk to you a little bit about what we're going to read in his holy name. Then Elijah, excuse me, verse 17, chapter 1, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to old Ahab, you know Ahab and Jezebel, worst king in the history of Israel, and she was worse than him. As the Lord God of Israel is, before whom I stand, this is the prophet, there shall not be dew nor rain these years until I say so, except at my word. Those years ended up being 42 months. It was the worst drought, famine, which brought pestilence, death, and starvation to God's people. Why? Because they had begun to follow Jezebel, especially Jezebel, in worshiping Baal and Asherah and her gods that she brought down. She's, you know, she's a Sidonian. She's Gentile. She's not Jew. Ahab's a Jew, but she's not. And she married this weak, spineless king, and she introduced idolatry, and Israel went a whoring after these idols, 
And God warned in Deuteronomy 28, there's the blessings, but then there's the curse, the curse, the cursings. If you follow after other idols, in verse 23, he says, I will make the sky brass, which represents sin, and I will make the earth iron, which means nothing's gonna grow. I think Elijah, knowing that scripture, stood up to the king and said, because of you and your wife, I'm closing heaven and there will be no rain. Now, family, in an agriculture, in other words, in a culture that's based on rain and crops and blessing, no rain means poverty and worse. And so Elijah stood up and prophesied to the heavens, shut the windows. Let's read on. Then the word of the Lord came, verse two, came to him saying, you better get out of here. Gotta be careful what you prophesy. Run, boy, get away from here and turn east. Hide by the brook Cherith, or Kerith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. Now watch, this is funny. I have commanded ravens to feed you there. Ravens. Do you know anything about ravens? They're crows on steroids. <laughs> Probably the smartest birds on the planet. And they're tall, they're big. Remember when we were in London? Walked around the corner, and I said, what is that? And our guide said, oh, those are ravens I've never seen. I said, are those crows? She goes, no, no, those are big, the big brother. <laughs> they're big, and they're smart. But they're also, if you read about them, they're the most gnarly, selfish of the bird, of the feathered family. Every now and then, they'll eat their own. They'll eat their babies just for the heck of it. They're selfish. And God is going to use ravens to bring breakfast and dinner to the prophet. Can you imagine? You got a T-bone steak and a loaf of French bread, and you're hungry, and you're a raven, and you're looking at each other like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? I'm hungrier than this human, but yet they had to obey God just like the animals that went to the ark. And by the way, if I may, a little caveat, if I may, if you've been praying for years and you haven't got your answer yet, don't forget the last two animals to get into the ark, snails and Noah didn't shut the door till they got in. So keep praying, they're coming, it's coming. Albeit maybe slow, but the door's not gonna shut until your prayer gets answered. And it will be that the ravens will feed you in verse five, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord, stayed to the brook. Then the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. He drank from the brook, but look at verse seven. But it happened, the brook dries up. Why did the brook dry up? Because he prophesied no rain. Gotta be careful what you prophesy. Then the word of the Lord came and said, okay, time to, time to move. Arise, go north, Zarephath, modern Lebanon. Go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. This is interesting. Jezebel is a Sidonian priestess. Jezebel is from Sidon, which is up in Lebanon today. Now she's down messing up Israel and God is sending his prophet to her hometown. Interesting. Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. Now the, this famine is affecting also that part of the world. Now, if you keep reading, we don't have time to really go much deeper in that, but this isn't just a, a widow, this is a poor widow. 
This is a widow so poor, she has just enough oil and flour to make half a sandwich, share it with her son, and then she says, we're both gonna die. And the man of God said, oh, uh, make that sandwich and give, me, give it to me first. Sounds just like a preacher, doesn't it? That sounds just like a preacher. Yeah, give me that 10% first, then you keep the rest. Said, yeah, which is good, but some people, they don't like, people in the world, they don't like that. But he tells her, you know, give me, give me, give me half, give me, give me half of that first. He said, if you do that, God will give you enough oil and flour for the rest of your life, which, which happened. Now, isn't that interesting? Why God goes way out of his way to pick ravens and poor widows to bring a blessing. And he does that to let us know God can answer your prayer through all kinds of unorthodox ways. We're looking at the front door and here it comes with the back door. So just get ready for God to surprise you because I hear a sound. Let's read on. Go over to chapter 18 real quick and go to verse 41. 42 months have passed. I don't have time to read the in-between narrative, but that's when God, Elijah called fire down on Mount Carmel. Remember that? I call it the shootout of the OK Corral Bible style when he challenged the, eight, the 400 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah to a duel. And they, they did all kinds of crazy things and there was no, there was no, no answer from, from their gods. And, and Elijah calls fire down. <clears throat> the whole nation, the whole nation repents and turns back to Jehovah God. And he single-handedly wipes out Hamas. I mean, uh, wipes out... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm watching, I watch too much Fox. He, he single-handedly wipes out the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. And so now because, because God's people have repented of their sin, it's time to bring blessing. Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain, not just a shower, not just a nice rain, but a drought-breaking, famine-stopping, pestilence-killing rain, maybe the greatest rain Israel has ever seen, that's gonna bring prosperity and blessing. I'm here at Cathedral of Faith on your 50th, 58th anniversary to tell you by the Holy Ghost, I hear a sound. I hear a sound. I hear a sound of abundance coming to the people of God. I don't care. Uh, if, if inflation, gas prices. I went, I went to the store the other day to get a, a dozen eggs and a gallon of milk. I had to go to the bank and get a loan on my house. I mean, I, yeah, I know. I, I, know what, I know what's going on. And I know with Bidenomics, I know what's going on. But that doesn't stop God from blessing his people because I hear a sound. I hear a sound of abundance of blessing. Now watch. Jesus said in, in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to do it. Kill, steal, destroy. Am I right about that? He said, but I have come that you might have what? Zoe in the Greek, one of my favorite words. I have come that you might have not Zoa, but Zoe, which means number one, forever life, eternal life, but not just go to heaven when you die. I, Fact check me. I have come that you might have the life of God in abundance, overflowing with blessing, 
healings, prosperity, joy. Now, he could have stopped. It would have been okay, Brian. Would have been okay if Jesus stopped right there. I have come that you might have life. But then he says, and have it abundantly. Abundantly. Not just have, not just have the life of God, but have it overflowing. In fact, in the Greek, I, I had to look at this twice, in the concordance, violently overflowing. I mean, like an artesian. That's what Jesus came, to give us eternal life, of course, but not just to go to, to go to heaven, but to bring heaven to earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come now, not just, not just we go to heaven when we die, which is wonderful, but to get a whole bunch of heaven here before we go. Can I have an amen, somebody? All right, now watch, let's read on. Theologians are not quite sure how he heard something. Was it, did he hear the voice of the Spirit? Or one said, maybe the wind shifted and the way that the leaves were blowing, which represented a storm maybe coming. Well, nobody's sure, nobody's sure. But for sure, the prophet heard a sound. But watch now, but he didn't see anything. Watch this principle I'm gonna work with for about 10 minutes. And he said to the servant, verse 43, now he's praying. He said to the servant, go out, look towards the sea, which by the way, you're looking west out over the Mediterranean. So he went up and looked and said, uh, sorry boss, I don't see anything. It's all blue sky. And, and he's down there, he, the prophet's praying. Go again. Comes back the second time. Hefe, nada. Patron, three times. Nada, sorry boss. I don't know what you hear, but I ain't seeing nothing. Fifth time, go again. Sixth time, go again. In other words, you keep praying until you see something. You may have heard a rhema, you may have heard a promise, but you don't see anything yet. Well, you don't stop. So on the seventh time, keep going. He comes back and it's like, boss, don't get too excited, but I did see something. Way out there is a cloud as small as my fist. Watch what Elijah says. <laughs> then it came to pass, verse 44, it came to pass the seventh time, he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, get going, boy. Prepare your chariot. Go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime, the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode all the way to Jezreel, and it was such a heavy rain, it didn't stop until the drought was absolutely broken. But watch now, watch the sequence here. First he heard a sound, then he saw a sight, albeit small, but he saw a sight, and then they all felt the blessing. Maybe it started sprinkling, and then it really started coming down. Now, having said that, quickly, Acts chapter two, which is, as you've been taught well, the, the, basically the birth of the church. When the day of Pentecost, which was a, like a week-long celebration, as you know, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord, 120, as you know, including the mother of Jesus, the disciples, and others. 
They were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a what? Do you know the church was first birthed with a sound? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. It sounded like a rushing mighty wind, or we might even say it, a hurricane or tornado. And it filled, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now catch this. The house had to be filled before the people were. I'll unwrap that in just a moment. What was that sound? I'm pretty much sure it was the breath of God. The pneuma. Man. Man became a living soul by the breath of God. Am I right about that? An inanimate red lump of clay. And the Lord, it says in my Bible, he breathed into his nostrils. But if you look up that word nostrils, it's the same word as face in the Hebrew. So he, he just, he, he blew divine breath into the face of Adam. He came alive. The church is about to come alive. by a sound of the breath of God. And so the church is ready to be birthed with God's noisy sound. And then number two appeared divided, which means two tongues as of fire that set upon each of them and they were all filled. Now they're filled. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Watch this again. First, there's a sound, a new sound, Juanita. Then there's a new sight, never seen before. This is the birth of the church. A new sound, a new sight, new speech. Starts with a sound, and then there's a sight, and then there's a new sound called other tongues. But if I may, the upper room had to first be filled with the presence of God before the people were filled. Why do you think we worship? Why do you think we start our church services with worship? Because we're inviting the presence of God to fill, to fill our church. because we don't want pastor to come and stand up and begin to throw the word out there until God is here in his fullness. And so the church was birthed with the sound of God's breath and the filling of the house with his presence. And then all of a sudden they begin to see something they never saw before, fire, Holy Ghost and fire. And then they open their mouth and there's a sound nobody ever heard. People speaking languages they didn't learn. Let's read on real quick, gets better. Verse five, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation. This is like, this is like Christmas week for us. People are shopping, people are busy. Pentecost was a big deal. It was a big, big deal. Thousands of people came from all over the place to worship. But when, verse six, when this sound <laughs> occurred, they stopped shopping. 
and they ran to where the sound was coming from. Thousands of them. Thousands of very busy, busy people. Religious people, but busy people. But they heard something they never heard before. And it was more important than buying lunch and dinner and Pentecost goodies. And they just, sorry, I'll be right back. And thousands of people running up the street. Where's that coming from? I'm telling you, there's a sound coming out of the Cathedral of Faith. There's a new sound coming out of this house. And people in Silicon Valley, one of the most secular, unchurched areas in America, people are going to start hearing. They, they don't know what it is. It's going to be the Holy Ghost giving them a sound. You've got to get to the house. There's something happening in the house that will change your life. It will bless your life. Am I right about that? Yeah. You know, of the five physical senses we all have to traffic in this natural world, sight, hearing, taste, smell, touch, what's the most spiritual? I mean, that sounds kind of funny, huh? Well, it's not sight because we walk by faith, not by sight. Definitely not touch and smell. It's your hearing. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. Now watch. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word. And it's in the continuum. It doesn't mean faith comes by, I heard it once. Oh, I already heard that. No, no, no. Faith comes by continually Continually hearing, continually hearing, not logos. There's two Greek words, as you know, logos and rhema. Now, Gospel of John, in the beginning was the logos. The logos is with God. The logos was God. The logos, that's, Jesus is the logos of heaven. Companies have a logo. Sports teams have a logo. Churches have a logo. Jesus is the logo of heaven. How do you know? Because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the kingdom. Jesus is the logo of heaven. But Paul, in Romans 10, 17, <coughs> didn't use the word logo. He used the word rhema. Look up rhema. Like that Bible, that's the, that's the written word. That's the, whole, the whole Bible is the logos. It's the word of God. But the rhema is the spoken, where you hear something. You're not just reading something. The rhema the rhema really means to me, when somebody anointed is standing up and preaching and you hear the sound of their voice and in that sermon is something that's gonna change your life. You may, not, you may not remember the whole sermon, you may not remember every song, but pastor said one thing that spun your life, turned your life upside down, that was your rhema with your name on it that you heard with your ears, that's gonna change your life. That's why we don't, we don't miss church, because you never know what's gonna come out of his mouth. Do you know, I just found this out, do you know that your voice print is as unique as your fingerprint? Nobody in the history of humankind has had your voice, nobody. It's even used now in the court of law just like fingerprints. People can mimic, people can imitate, people can do all kinds of things to sound like other people. But everybody in this room, every human on earth, God knows your voice. God knows your voice. 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing a preacher's voice. Faith comes by hearing an anointed preacher that's speaking to you about God and sometimes speaking to God about you. Let me wrap this up with Genesis chapter 1, then I'll tell a quick story. Genesis chapter 1, of course, the very, very beginning. In the beginning, verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. The word there is bada, created. It means to make something out of absolutely nothing. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep, which means chaos. We're not quite sure why. Maybe that's when the Lucifer was cast out of heaven. T.D. Jakes calls it, the earth was a muddy, hot mess. <laughs> but God, you know, the Holy Spirit seems to be attracted to chaos. He likes, he likes bringing order out of chaos. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Watch now, verse 3. I believe in the Big Bang. Absolutely, I absolutely believe in the Big Bang. It's right here. And God said, boom, shakala. <laughs> there it is. Now listen now. It could have said, and God thought, and it was so. He probably could have done that. No, no, no. To the vast expanse of darkness and nothingness. God wanted solar systems and planets and things that the, the new telescope is, is see, not the Hubble, but the new one, is seeing things that's unbelievable out there. That all happened because all that darkness heard a sound. And darkness could not resist the light. And the sound came out of God's mouth. And God said, let there be light. Not sunlight, that's on day four. The word there means let there be illumination. Let there be revelation. Pretty much, let there be me. Boom. And there it is. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder all that. I have a thought. We call that the universe. I like that word, universe. Uni means what? Uni, a unicycle? One. Uni means one. Verse means what? Verse. Your Bible is full of verses. If God can create all of that with one verse, why can't he heal you with one verse? Why can't he prosper you with one verse? Somebody tell me why. Why not? Why not? You don't need, you don't need 20 verses. You don't need to memorize the Bible. Sometimes by his stripes I'm healed. Sometimes, my God will supply. I got one verse. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. One verse. One. Where you stand on it. You confess it. You believe it. You're not moved. Where were you? <laughs> I'm gonna mess with you a little bit here. Is that all right? Almost done. Where were you October the 14th? 1947. 
we were in Watsonville. I was uh, two weeks away from being three years old. We, we lived in Watsonville a few years, born there, and ended up in San Jose. Something happened that changed the world in the desert in Southern California. The sound barrier was broken. Sound travels about 760 miles an hour at terra firma level. Sound travels better where there's substance, even water. Now the higher you get, say 40,000 feet, sound travels at about 670 miles an hour. It's interesting, the laws of physics and all that, it's very interesting. During World War II, the Germans were a little ahead of us, the Brits, with this thing called <coughs> jet rocket propulsion. Now this is during World War II. And companies are experimenting with this new thing called jet propulsion, rocket propulsion. Right after World War II, 1945, the Brits kind of jumped ahead. Of course, Germany was gone. The Brits began, let me show you a picture of three aircraft. See to the left up there? That's a, that's, I think that's our Mustang. Uh, the Japanese had the Zero, the Brits had the Spitfire, the uh, Germans had a great plane, Messerschmitt P109. And these, these planes would go about 470 miles an hour tops. Wonderful planes. But what the Brits did with this new jet rocket propulsion, trying to break the sound barrier, even though conventional thinking was, man's not supposed to go that fast, it'll kill him. But they tried with test pilots. What they did was, put that picture back up there, please. They would strap on, on World War II design, they would strap this new power. Kind of reminds me of that scripture, don't put new wine in old wineskins, because it'll blow up. And that's what happened, planes were, one test pilot died. Some of the British test pilots nicknamed the sound barrier, the demon wall. Like man's not supposed to get that close to the demon wall. It'll kill him. So the prime minister, Churchill, got voted out of office. The new prime minister cut the deal. We in America, though, Bell Laboratories, with a test pilot named Colonel Chuck Yeager, who just passed away up in Grass Valley, World War II hero, began, put the picture back up there. They begin to experiment, see in the upper right corner, they designed a new craft out of a 50 caliber bullet. Now I'm an old hunter, I've never, I've never hunted with a 50 caliber gun. It's a big bullet and they used the bullet to design the Bell X-1 and they put four rocket motors on that and they began to slowly in the desert test it. Well, on October the 14th, 1947, they decided to go for it. Really not knowing what's gonna happen. I read his book. They attached the Bell one to the bottom of an old B-29, took it up 25,000 feet, opened the bomb door, which released, Chuck Yeager takes it up to 40,000 feet. Remember, Mach 1, Mach 1 at 40,000 feet is about 670 miles an hour. And in his book, he's cruising along at 400 miles an hour, 500 miles an hour. He gets close to 600 miles an hour and things begin to shake. All that can be shaken was being shaken. Like, do I have to parachute out of this thing? Which, going that fast, may have killed you anyway. 650 miles an hour. 
He's looking at it. He's looking at it. There's a movie called The Right Stuff. Ran it sometime, 1975 movie, great movie about this. And, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he hits Mach 1. And a sound was heard that had never been heard before. Boom! And people on the ground like, there's not a cloud in the sky. It sounded like thunder. Put that picture up there again. The modern jet. See that modern jet? See behind that modern jet? That's what's called the sonic boom, which now is common, but not in 1947. And this is what Colonel Yeager said. He heard the boom, but it was behind him. He broke through the demon wall. It was behind him. Now watch. He said, after that, it was like he was skating on ice. He said, I had never had a smoother ride in my life because we broke through the demon wall. Do you remember about the, do you remember Pharaoh's army? This problem you will see no more. Drowned in the Red Sea. The general, I think the colonel or the general handling the project picked up the phone, called Harry S. Truman, the president. Mr. President, we have broken through. We can now go to the moon and the stars. There is no limitation. 22 short years later in July of 1969, I watched it on black and white TV when Neil Armstrong stepped out of that craft and walked on the moon. And now look what we're doing in 2023 with exploration of outer space. It all happened because the demon wall, the limitation man put on himself was broken through. Stand up with me, everybody. I hear a sound. I hear a sound of God's people breaking through. I hear a sound of strongholds and human limitation placed over us by society, by people, teachers, parents, whatever. I hear a sound. I hear a sound. It's like glass shattering. I hear a sound of God's people breaking through. And now, and now there's no limitation. There's no limitation. You see, in the world, in the world, there's no, there's no boundaries, but there are ceilings. The world has no boundaries, no morals, but they have a ceiling because God's not there. But us, we have wonderful boundaries and no ceiling. It's straight from here to the kingdom of God. It's straight from here to the kingdom of God. We have no ceilings. But that's why I love Esoboso's definition of strongholds. It, it's, what, it's kind of what man places on, and we, we believe things are never going to get better. We believe it becomes a stronghold. I am here to tell you before I close. I hear a sound. I hear a rhema. I hear a sound of limitations being shattered over the people of God. And I'm here to tell you, 2024 has got your name on it. There's going to be things happening. There's going to be things that are going to shock you, surprise you, bless you, blow you away. Because this old preacher, here's a sound. God bless you, everybody.
Amen. Would you let Bishop Dick Burnell, let him know how much you appreciate him and his, that word today. Can we just own that word for ourselves? Would you just say with me, I receive it. I receive it. I hear a sound. Say it with me. I hear a sound. Amen. We receive it. Thank you so much, Pastor Bishop. Man, what a joy it is to have you with us. If you need prayer, our team will be down here to pray with you and for you right after service. Um, go by afterwards, those great books, resources in the back, and check that out. And again, thanks so much for being here today. Next week, we start a new series. Let me speak God's blessing over you, Cathedral of Faith. Wow, I hear a sound. I hear a sound. Let that get in your spirit. Own it today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And this week, declare it, believe it, receive it. May the sound of God be heard in your life. Sound of breakthrough is coming your way. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. All God's people said, amen.